We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome, welcome everybody to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. My name is Dan Connick, and we are in the middle of our draft breakdown here on the podcast and joined again this week by my new partner in crime for the month of uh, April, Rob Rieger. Rob, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. This is a, a, a great topic tonight, so, so I'm really excited. Yeah, this is going to be fun. We're looking at the safety group as a whole here Um in the draft class of 2020, uh, we'll we'll dive into it more in depth. Look at it from what the Packers uh, are coming into the draft with, um, and obviously uh, all the players, or at least the the top guys that the Packers could be looking at here. Uh, but Rob and I are joined by um, somebody new to the podcast with us today. We have got Gage Bridgeford joining us today. Gage, how you doing? Uh, doing good. Glad to be here. Um, a little bit about me. I've been a lifelong Packer fan. Uh, listen to the Packer Day podcast, but uh, kind of what I do, uh, I've been covering football for the last three years, and uh, mo- a lot of my draft stuff has been like fantasy related. Like I'll focus on offense for about the first like majority of the draft cycle, and then for the final month, I'll start focusing on defense, interior offensive line, and that stuff. Um, I've written about. Um, Packer draft stuff and other just general draft stuff. So this is uh, the first class that I've sp- that I've gone through the entire thing. I've gone through the bits and, like the highlights of the last few classes. So, uh, but I'm just glad to be here. Uh, bottom line, 
Awesome. Yeah, we're happy to happy to bring you on board for this. Um, and like Rob was saying, uh, we've got a fun a fun group to look at here for the Packers. Uh, we're taking a look at the safety position uh, for Mike Pettin and his defense. Um, obviously, we saw this position group get addressed uh, head on last year with the addition of Adrian Amos and then uh, a first round draft pick being spent on Darnell Savage, uh, who instantly came in and you you could argue are the the top safeties that we've seen um, in green and gold since probably Nick Collins. Um, and, uh, you've also got in there, uh, Raven green, Will, Will Redmond. Um, as we head into this, uh, into this draft guys, that position group as a whole, how do we, how do we see it? How do we view it? Obviously, uh, you know, Rob, you were kind of mentioning Mike Petton loves to do a lot with his safety. So, uh, where do we stand right now? Sure. Yeah. You know, one of the nice things about safety, and I can tell you that very similar to receiver, and I know that in other podcasts, we'll dive into that. There's so much diversity in the types of safeties that there are. It's not like the olden days where you'd have a strictly a strong safety and then you have a free safety. The strong safety would stay at the line. Free safety would stay back in zone, those type of things. The safety position has really evolved. So when I started really digging deep into these safeties, you saw so many guys that had so many different skill sets. And for the Packers specifically, Mike Pettin loves to deploy three safeties on the field. He loves to play that 4-1-6 defense with four down linemen and then just the one linebacker and then the six uh, defensive backs in there. And generally speaking, he'd have three safeties in that group. So um, even though we did address it in the offseason, it, it certainly is, is, a, is a need right now. And I think we're kind of looking for that guy that – that that we kind of wanted Josh Jones to be, but he never actually became that. And we're kind of looking for that. And there is a couple guys like that that really fit the bill on as far as like a guy that could replace like a like the quote unquote what we wanted Josh Jones to be. Uh, Gage, I, I don't I don't know. What, do you have any thoughts on just a general class? Um, I, I I agree with you. I think that this class is uh, we're starting to see safeties come out of college more prepared to play kind of that hybrid safety linebacker role, like the one that they wanted Oren Burks to be and Josh Jones, as you mentioned, um, because you got guys like obviously Isaiah Simmons is Isaiah Simmons is a freak. He's listed as a linebacker, but the dude can play just flat out. He plays defense. That's he said at his podium on like during uh, the combine week. So that's what he does. You have then there's a couple more guys that are going to be taken on day two for sure that fit the same bill in Jeremy Chin, uh, and then let's see what's the other one. Uh, I'm drawing up Kyle Duggar is another one who smaller school guys, but he's got he's falls right in line with that. There's a lot of guys in this safety class that can play more than just traditional safety, which is perfect for the modern NFL that requires their guys to play more than just one position at a time. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned Simmons because, you know, there's been that argument as, you know, where does he fit best? Um, my personal opinion about him is that whatever team drafts him should probably stick to, at least for his first couple of years, one position. I know that he played a lot of different things in Clemson, but, you know, I'd really like him to get uh, to that all-star level at just one position. Now, if that, um, I personally think, like, if, if you really had to ask me, I'd say he fits in more as like a 4-3 off-ball linebacker. Uh, I kind of envision like a Derek Brooks, the way that he played at Tampa and that kind of being his best role. However, you're right, man. I mean, he can drop into coverage. He can play zone. He can do all those other things as well. So I guess that's probably the first thing that we need to discuss is whether we considered him a safety or a linebacker or just like you said, a defensive player. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask is, you know, throughout the whole discussion, 
you know, every time you you read something about almost all these saviors and you watch them play, they're they're playing you know different positions. But how many of these safeties in this class can you really say were like traditional safeties? Like how like how many how many guys in this class would you say you would feel comfortable right now if if Amos or Savage went down, you could plug them into a role that wasn't um, you know focused more towards the the linebacker dime kind of DB look. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll answer that real quick and then, then I'll turn it over to you, you gauge. But um, you know, we talked last week about Xavier McKinney being kind of that Jack of all trades type of safety. Um, we had questioned a little bit about his upside and, and if he can get better, but um, he would be definitely be the guy, the other guy, you know, I just want to bring up off the bat is Delpit. You know, we talked offline about that, about how, how I really think that he's a lot better than people are giving him credit for. And they're kind of giving him some unfair dings for his missed tackling in 2019 and that how he regressed. But I didn't really see that on tape. I saw kind of a heat seeking missile, a guy that can play deep, a guy that can actually be very effective guarding either a slot receiver or tight end, which would be something very beneficial to the pet and defense. And, but I also saw a guy who's a, a very unique and elite blitzer of the quarterback when he comes he comes fast he picks the right hole he causes a lot of disruption as a blitzer so those would be like the two guys that I would think that would be kind of ready made uh could step right in from day one who could actually play a major role so you know but on the other hand I mean those guys might be gone by even the time we pick 30 so um I, I, and the other guy is Winfield I mean we'll talk about him a little more and, and I'd love to get at your guys thoughts is that he almost looks like a like a slot corner, but he played deep safety. You know, he played more of a safety position for Minnesota. And what you guys thoughts about him? I guess those would be kind of the first couple ones. Um, yeah, let's dive into those. Gage. For me, uh, Grant Delpit, uh, I love him in coverage. I under, and I I get a lot of uh, Malik Hooker vibes out of him. Uh, Malik Hooker never the best tackler. Delpit in twenty eighteen was a great tackler. He dealt with that shoulder injury that. And that was what was thought to give a lot of pause as to why he wasn't super like heat seeking missile on big running backs out on the outside. But like you said, he was always in position. Yeah. He'll miss, he missed tackles here and there, but every player misses tackles. That's that's why, that's why they play the game. If the guy wasn't going to miss tackles, it'd be a lot less interesting and you'd have offense valued a lot less. Delpit was always in plays. He made plays on the ball. He, like you said, he's a great blitzer, which is something that safeties need to do because you defensive coordinators want their safeties to be able to come in and give the quarterback a look that they're not expecting and make a play. Uh, Xavier McKinney, I understand that he doesn't have the best upside among the safeties in this class, but I also love the fact that he's got an extremely high floor. He's a super intelligent player. I think he's a lesser version of what Minka Fitzpatrick was. Minka Fitzpatrick, when he came out, had a, had a high ceiling and a high floor, super intelligent player. He was just more, I think he was a little bit more athletic than, um, than McKinney is, but McKinney's still, I think he's going to be in the NFL for years to come just because he's so intelligent. He's so versatile. He can do a lot. Uh, And then you mentioned Winfield. I think Winfield is more of that modern, like kind of down in the box, but can also play in coverage type. He, it's, like, it's almost like, like, not not to cut you off, but he almost seems like a Tyron Matthew, like kind of a player like that. That, I agree with that. Yeah, no, he he's not quite the athlete that you're gonna get that you get with Matthew, but he's no he's no slouch either. I agree that you can just put him and kind of say, "Hey, go cause havoc for the offense," and he's gonna do just that. Um, I think he rose a lot. Uh, I think that injury concerns or can be kind of an issue with him, but for the most part, I think uh, he's in my he's my third overall safety in this class, so I don't really have a ton of concern about him. 
Yeah, I have it a little bit lower, but that's okay. Yeah, and you know what? Funny, it's Rob that you bring up Tyron Matthew with Antoine Winfield Jr. because Grant Delpit wears that number seven yeah. at LSU. <laughs> yep. That's you know become the the moniker for the next you know hard hitting safety to come out of uh, out of DBU. There, um, I, I, let's let's talk about um, Antoine Winfield a little bit more because um, you know Rob, you and I we we did a really deep dive on Xavier McKinney last week. Um, and I, I think I think it's it's safe to say that he's at least, if not one A, he's definitely one B in this in this safety class. Um, and we can circle back to Delpit a little bit more too. But I I really like what I saw um, when I watched Antoine Winfield. Um, you know, just like an absolute ball hawk. And I, I love I love defensive backs that are a little bit smaller in size because I feel like they just come out with this kind of like junkyard dog mentality. Um, like you don't beat out Jeff Okuda for defensive back of the year in the big 10 and not be, you know, not be good at your position. Um, where, so is Antoine Winfield a guy that you could see? I mean, he's not your, he's not a pick at 30, but is he a guy that you could see falling in, uh, down to 62? I would say that just to kind of, um, you know, piggyback on that. Um, I think that he has a huge upside, but, but there is kind of a red flag that, that I haven't really heard about. So I kind of want to, you know, bring this up is that he has had some injury problems and the reason, not this past year, but the, but the years prior. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that he doesn't know, it doesn't seem like how small he is. He plays so scrappy and he's always getting into things that it's, it's almost like he doesn't necessarily, you know, ever stop. He's all full speed. So, um, so that is a concern. And I think that it will be a concern with other teams, especially now with this abridged uh, lead up where they can't necessarily do physicals and they can't do some of that other stuff. But man, I mean, from a talent standpoint, uh, he had he had some of the most elite numbers at safety, the four four five forty. Um, the thing that was really impressive to me was that he ran a one point five eight ten yard split, which is you know to a safety, uh, you know how fast they accelerate and how fast they can get to the ball. So so those two numbers were elite. Uh, but that's his red flag for me. I don't think it's anything on the field necessarily, but it's more more along the lines of, man, is this guy going to be one of those guys that's constantly battling injuries because he's always full speed ahead and he's always sticking his head into some, certain situations instead of just maybe pushing the guy out of bounds, he's going for the big hit. I think that that's something you run into with, uh, like that's what Bob, like the issue with Bob Sanders was. He just played all out all the time, which is great. But then you, then he dealt with injuries nonstop when he was healthy. He was a defensive player of the year. Yeah. Um, Antoine Winfield jr. Is in the first percentile for safeties at height and seventh in arm length and 31st in weight. He's 205 pounds, but he's not, he's still not a big guy at all. Do you think that that injury concern, I mean, the wear and tear, does that come from, cause he, he was a, a fairly dynamic punt returner for, for Minnesota as well. Does that play into that at all? Do you think that if he goes into a situation, um, you know, maybe like, uh, like a green Bay where he's not required to play every single down, but more of a package guy that that fits maybe his, uh, his injury history a little bit better. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. So, so, so yeah, I think that if you, if you live in his role a little bit, so if he's maybe, you know, a guy who comes up every once in a while, guards, receivers, I, I, I hate to say it cause I like Shandon a lot, but, I could, I could potentially see him taking his spot in kind of the nickel nickel slash dime uh, safety slash corner position on, on our defense. And, you know, it's not like Sullivan played bad, but it was more like uh, we might be looking for an upgrade there, and he'd probably be fit into that type of role. 
Yeah. Um, so we've got our top three guys, uh, Delpit, McKinney, and Winfield. I would I would assume that th- that's kind of the unanimous top three of the position here, um, you know, for the safety group. Uh, what about guys that we, we haven't touched on yet that fly a little bit more under the radar? I know um, – uh, Gage, or, yeah, Gage, you you hit on a couple of them just in passing. Uh, who who are a couple guys that you're looking at that could be more of those day two, even day three guys that, uh, that could fill a role? Um, I think that the best one of that, and I don't, and he's not going to go on day three. He's going on day two just because of how versatile versatile he is. Is uh, Jeremy Chin? Mm-hmm. He gives me some vibes of Jabril Peppers coming out of Michigan. He's not quite the same athlete, but he was just used all over the field like for them. They just played him in every different alignment possible, which is great, but it also means he's coming out as kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type, which could cause him some issues, but he's got good size, good athleticism um, for for the position, and he's also comfortable playing that um, he's comfortable playing that down in the box role. So if you want to, but he can also play back in coverage. So if you just want to move him around, he's that true chess piece. If you don't want to play, pay the premium price that you have to for Isaiah Simmons, you can get Jeremy Chin, who no, not the same athlete. But then again, Isaiah Simmons is kind of a freak of nature athlete. That's why he's so special. But Chin is you can get him on day two, and he could possibly be there at sixty two, and definitely upgrade that third safety spot. Nothing against Chandon or Raven Green or Will Redmond, but I think Jeremy Chin would be an instant upgrade over all three of those guys from day one. I, I would definitely agree. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, there is a there is a uh, risk involved when you take a guy from like a Southern Illinois or and I think, you know, a lot of times people are lumping uh, Duggar in with Chin because they are kind of similar players. They're big guys, fantastic athletes. Uh, when you look at their measurables across the board, I mean, they're all way at the top, way, way at the top. Chin ran a four, four, five and, and just, just an incredible, a 221, incredible athlete, big boy. Um, he's going to actually, you know, if it's more of a simplistic say, Hey, go get the ball or Hey, you have him type of thing. He's not going to be probably that guy who ran advanced defenses and, and those type of things in college. Same thing with when I was watching Duggar, essentially what they did at Lenore Ryan is they just looked at him and said, okay, you start in the back and then just wherever you see where the ball's going, just go and attack it. Like he, he didn't really have a lot of specific responsibilities in that defense. He was more of like a roamer and a playmaker and just, you know, basically wreak havoc everywhere you can when he'd play. So he hasn't, and neither of these guys really have played like necessarily in the, you know, constructs of a, a set defense within a scheme uh, with varying roles and, and certain kind of things like that. So, um, you know, I, but, but the thing is, man, I said it last week, I'm, I'm a nostalgic guy. I've grew up watching the Packers. <laughs> I see Nick Collins from Bethune Cookman as kind of, you know, I, I just, you know, I envision that and actually over the weekend, they, they replayed the Packers Super Bowl against Pittsburgh and man, Nick Collins was awesome. It, oh. Just an absolute fantastic player. And everything. And I think everybody raised eyebrows when we were drafting him in, in the second round out of Bethune-Cookman. And we're thinking, you know, what the heck is going on? Who is this guy? And he came in and been an absolute stud. And had he not got hurt, I mean, you're probably looking at a Hall of Famer there. And these two guys really, really, really remind me of him, uh, <laughs> Chin and Duggar. So, you know, maybe I'm blinded by my, you know, by my Packer <laughs> goggles or whatever. But uh, th- th- that's that's what I envision when I see either of those guys. So, if, man, if they're there at 62, I'm pouncing. Yeah, for sure. Um, a guy I wanted to throw out to you guys to get your take on him uh, is is one that 
I mean, we we've hit the we've hit kind of the guys at these uh, you know FCS schools, the lesser known programs that you know are are rising up the draft board, and like you mentioned, could be day two guys uh, even early on. Um, what about Brandon Jones out of Texas? I mean, this is a guy from a Big Twelve school that uh, I, I I feel like a lot of people are almost pushing him more to he needs to be like almost strictly a linebacker and not even be considered a safety with the skill set that he brought. Um, what's your take on him? I'll, I'll go, I'll go on him. So, so Brandon Jones, I, I thought that I was going to like him more when I really dug into his film. Cause generally speaking, what I do is I guess my process more or less is I'll usually watch if I highlight tape to kind of get a feel for, you know, these guys, best players, but then I go back and I watch, you know, four five, six games from him, uh, you know, spot shadowed where I can watch every play. I was not an, as impressed on tape that I honestly thought I was going to be with him. Uh, he seems like a guy who can only play forward. Uh, he's going to be kind of a one-trick pony in a defense, like strictly a strong safety. Like he, he, I didn't think he was very good in coverage. I thought he got burned a lot, but he can come up and make plays. Um, I agree with uh, with everything you just said. I think he's not he's not an outstanding athlete in terms of like long speed. He's not super great in short area quickness, but the guy can thump a lot. Kind of like uh, Jonathan Abraham last year uh, out of Mississippi State. He plays downhill real hard, and he's going to light people up when he gets there. Kind of the see ball, hit ball type, but he's also you can't you can't bury him in the box and then expect him to go chasing like Julian Edelman across the middle on a drag route or like Tyreek Hill for that matter. He's just going to get outrun. If you just tell him like line him up. 15 yards off the line of scrimmage and just say, okay, play forward, keep everything in front of you and go hit the ball. He can do that. But I wasn't overly impressed. Uh, There was some buzz about him coming uh, like out of the summer last year, but then he just put together not a bad year, but not nothing outstanding either. I kind of want to talk, and I don't know if he has, he's on your list, Dan, or I'm jumping the gun here, but I I kind of wanted to talk about Ashton Davis out of Cal. Is he one of those guys that you, uh, you know, that you guys want to talk about at all? Yeah, we, yeah, let, yeah. Let's 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 we can dive into we can dive into anybody. Let let take it take us there. So so with Ashton Davis, he's a guy that plays at, at Cal. He's a track guy. Unfortunately, we didn't get the athletic measurables from him. He didn't compete at the combine, and obviously with no pro day. So so there is kind of a guessing on him. But he's a true deep safety. He's a guy who can play back as a free safety. And, and I don't know what the Packers' thoughts are on that, but he's a true zone guy, has excellent speed, excellent uh, coverage ability. He seems to always be in the right place at the right time, but he also has his ability to come up. But as, as a pure athlete, he, his athleticism really jumped out on tape to me on a good defense. The Cal defense was no joke last year, and he was a guy who really stood out play after play after play, and he seemed to always be around the ball. I haven't heard a lot of buzz from him, but, Honestly, like there's been a couple of people like quote unquote in the know that have been writing draft guys that have been looking at their rankings and they've actually shot him up near the top of their draft. And and I, and honestly on film, I see that. I see a guy who's really fast, great athlete and very versatile as well. I, I don't know, uh, Gage, did you have a chance to take a look at Davis? Um, I've looked into him a little bit. Um, he's a little, he's a little older, which is one thing that I wasn't a yeah. huge fan of. Like he'll be 24 this year. And I yep. know everyone's like, wow, you're calling a guy 24 older, but <laughs> I mean, for football purposes, when there's such a limited time frame of getting these guys, that's what you're going to say, especially when, uh, who was it? It was a Jeremy chin. 
it was Jeremy Chin just turned 22 in uh, February yeah. and Kyle Duggar mm-hmm. turned 22 or somebody else in this class turned 22 six days ago. Yeah, Win- Winfield and Grant Elpit are really young too, both of them. Yeah, so there's all these young guys in this. Yeah, Winfield doesn't turn 22 until August. So so there's all these young guys in the class. Davis is a little older. Um, I liked his ability in co- or I liked his ability in coverage. He's not a single high safety, which is how I, I think the only one in this class that can play a single high safety role is Grant Delpit. He's the only one that I would want playing back there. I think Davis is good in coverage. I think he's good in like too high, like cover two looks. Um, he's got he's got decent size at six one one ninety five. He can kind of match up with like tight ends. He's not. He's not going to erase tight ends, but he could cover them. I but I think the one issue you're going to run into with him, it, especially in this defense, is you already have two really similar guys yeah. to that mold in Savage and Amos. So you, why would you? I don't know why you would draft a third one. If yeah, that it'd be for, it would definitely be for his cover skills. It, it would. It, it that would be the reason why you take him is you know to kind of put him into that. Uh, sort of corner slash safety uh, nickel slash dime roll. Uh, probably the Shandon Sullivan would be the get, would be kind of the odd man out if we were to take Davis or who knows, maybe he'd beat him out. But uh, I was just curious to hear what your take was on him. That, that's, that's a lot of good points. Well, I, I mean, you know, the, the one thing, like my dad always said, the one thing you can't teach is speed. And, you know, if you can find guys out there, especially on the defensive side that have just the natural kind of speed, it never hurts to just bring them onto the team and, you know, there, there's a lot of guys on on this safety group that with them being put into roles that aren't just strict safety, you know, starting starting safety, a lot of them are fitting into that kind of package, um, you know, look that there's a lot of talent here and athleticism that can be utilized on the special team side as well. Um, you know, especially being being a safety like that, that's got the speed. Um are there any other guys here as we move down the list a little bit more that we're looking at as, um, you know, maybe day three surprises um, guys that you could see the Packers uh, jumping for uh, if they fall to day three, um, you know, just kind of those diamond in the rough guys. Yeah. I actually have three of them and I, that I want to kind of throw out to get your opinions on guys. Definitely. Um, there's, there's, and this would be, you know, in the case, you know, if maybe Green Bay, you know, chooses to address, which is extremely possible, you know, maybe a receiver, a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman in the first couple rounds. And then we're, you know, getting until round three, round four, round five. Um, there's a safety out of Clemson that actually was a very popular safety. And I don't know why he's not getting any hype really is this Tanner Muse. And he was a three-year starter at Clemson. So obviously in a Brent Venables defense, he's been coached well. He knows what he's doing. He seems to always be in the right place at the right time. And he would definitely be an in-the-box type safety that would come and aid on the run. And surprisingly, actually shockingly, believe it or not, his relative athletic score was off the charts, 9.94, which meant that he was in the 99th percentile of all safeties and, and everything. You go down the list and you see green everywhere, if you guys are familiar with the list. Uh, 44140, 1.56, 10-yard split, his size, his, his explosiveness, his broad jump, uh, all those things. You take a look, 384, three-cone drill. Like, these are elite measurables that this guy have. And you guys know that Goody... Brian Gutekunz is in love with measurables. All of his mm-hmm. draft picks pretty much along the line have been these measurable guys that they can kind of plug and play. So I would be looking at a guy like Tanner Muse. The other guy, actually I'll throw out two guys and then get your opinions on it, is, uh, is Terrell Burgess out of Utah. 
he's another classic strong safety type player. Um, I'm trying to look for guys that kind of want to fill that, you know, the Josh Jones, you know, what we wanted him to be role. Uh, Terrell Burgess is another guy for Utah that, you know, seemed to be always around the ball, an instinctive player. And the last guy is uh, Gilman out of Notre Dame, Alohi Gilman. Uh, he's another guy that, you know, basically flies around the ball like a heat-seeking missile. And, you know, he'd be fun to move around if I were petting. So um, I guess I'll turn it over to you guys. I've been talking a lot and <laughs> kind of get your point on uh, or your opinions on those guys. Uh, I'm actually going to work backwards. I want to start with Gilman. Gilman was actually one that I was going to mention if you didn't. So, um, so good job. Um, <laughs> I have him actually within my, I have him like eighth in my safety rankings right now. I think he doesn't get a lot of hype uh, for whatever reason. I feel like uh, guys from those big name schools, like blue blood football schools, like Notre Dame always get hype, even if they're not necessarily the best player. And but I think I, I loved what I saw on tape from him this year. I thought he's decent in coverage. He's not outstanding, but he does well to not get beat. He uh, crashes hard in the run game. He's yep. al- like he's always around. His tackling is really good. I uh, rarely saw him miss for tackle. Uh, rarely saw him miss tackles. Um, he's not going to be your true deep safety. Again, there's not a whole lot of guys in this class I'm a huge fan of. Like I think I like Ashton Davis in safety more than I liked uh, – than I like Gilman, but Gilman, like if you keep him close to the line of scrimmage and within 15 yards and doing coverage in that area, which is where you would have like a Josh Jones style guy, I think he fits perfectly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, one other guy that I, I like to throw in there um, and it's, it's mainly because I've, I've, I've watched him play um, every, every week because I'm an Ohio state fan is Jordan Fuller out of there. Um, just an incredibly smart player. Um, just puts himself in the right the right position. It seems like you know every time, and especially um, when it comes to reading a backfield, uh, where the running back is going, um, you know where the holes are opening up, and he just he seems to put himself in the right position. Uh, and and so I, I would love to see him get a little bit more play um, as well. So uh, as we kind of we kind of wrap things up, guys. Um, why don't you hit me with, uh, your top three overall, uh, just rank in whatever order you want to put these guys in. And then, um, from there, tell me, tell me a likelihood of where you would want them to fall. Like where you would, where you would see the Packers taking them. Like, will they, will they fall to the second round? Will they need to be a first round pick? Um, Gage, we'll start with you. Um, Obviously, my number one, it, my number one's McKinney. Uh, I think I love the fact that he's such a high floor player. Um, I always I gravitate towards players that I know at worst what they're going to be. I understand ceiling is important, but I also, especially with seeing like the Packers draft busts such as Dayton Jones, Dayton Jones, Justin Harrell, and whatnot, I like to focus on what a player can be at their worst, and then also just go from their best. Uh, Grant Delpit's my number two. Uh, and then Antoine Winfield Jr. is my number three. It's not super exciting. It, Grant Delpit has a higher ceiling than McKinney, but I also think he's got a lower floor. Um, he's not the biggest guy on the field, and, and he did have some tackling issues. I assume that that's all tied to that shoulder injury, and he was just trying to keep himself healthy heading into next year. He's super young. He doesn't turn 22 until September. We know that Green Bay has no trouble, no problem drafting young guys, as evidenced by drafting Kenny Clark, who was the youngest player in the NFL for like three years or something stupid. Um, Grant Delpit's the best coverage safety in this class, in my opinion. Um, 
I like his ability to line up with tight ends. Uh, and I think that he brings a different flavor of safety than you're getting from anybody else. And then Winfield as my number three, I think that he is the best at being able to go from safety to corner. McKinney can do anything. Winfield, I think, can be a great like safety. And he can also go down and play that slot corner role, which makes a lot of sense seeing as his dad was a thorn in the side of Green <laughs> Bay for eight years. Definitely. Rob? Cool, yeah. I have the same players but a different order. So I, I, I still, man, I, I have Delpit as my number one safety. I think there's just so much upside to that guy that if he actually gets it and, and – you know, and like Gage said, you know, he did have some injury problems last year that was probably hiding. And, you know, when you look at Watch's 2018 tape, he, he would have been, you know, a top 10 pick uh, based upon that tape. So, you know, he's kind of getting a hit. So I still have Delpit as my number one because he has the most potential. And then I go with McKinney. I think that McKinney's a jack-of-all-trade safety. He can do everything. Um, anything you ask him to do, he can excel at. And then the last one's obviously Winfield. So it's the same, it's the same guys. But just a different order. I think that Winfield's the best cover safety in the draft, and I think that we'll be able to match him up against some of the elite tight ends and even some slot receivers, and uh, we can kind of look use that to our advantage as well. Yeah, and you know, Rob, I, I would agree with you too. I love I love what Delpit can bring. He he's he's just he's a he's a home run if you can if he if he pans out, and that that's just that's huge to have. And then McKinney, obviously, uh, at a very close number two. Um, and I, I fell in love with Antoine Winfield Jr. over the season, um, watching him play in the Big Ten. So, um, so that's uh, that's the safety group as as a whole as we view it. Uh, let us know what you think. Follow us on Twitter as well at Packaday Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Um, you can follow all three of us on Twitter as well. I'm on there at DK All the Way. Uh, guys, where can people find you? Uh, okay, so yeah, you can come find me on Twitter at at. NFL Draft Regs, R-E-G-S, on Twitter. Um, I also write for the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide, so I have a couple sections there. Pick it up if you haven't and you're a Packer fan. It's a must-read. And you'll also, uh, probably next week, start hearing me on 97 The Game in Milwaukee. I uh, work on the Drew and KB show locally. So um, if you guys get a chance, uh, tune in next week. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, at GBridge for the NFL. Uh, I cover basketball football and fantasy football for way too many sites i have way too many (laughs) um i'm always willing to talk literally anything sports wise even if it's competitive chess that's fine i don't care i just especially with nothing going on right now just if you i was gonna say that might be all we have right now we have have belarusian soccer australian rules football and oh oh and uh ping pong you can bet on ping pong now that's a thing so, so yeah if you if anybody ever wants to talk anything sports never feel or always feel free to reach out i have no problem talking pro packers against packers or whatever is going to make you happy awesome so guys uh thanks again for joining us today we'll be here or uh, we won't be here uh, tomorrow but another group of our our wonderful team here we'll be breaking down the next position group uh we'll be back next week uh to take a look or at least rob and i will be next week to take a look at the running back position um until then guys have a great day have a great week and as always go pack go go pack go Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.